right. Well, Connection Point Church, welcome uh, to a new series. Actually, it's a continuation of uh, a series we started at the beginning of the year. We're going to continue through Genesis, and we have this series called The Wanderer, and I think it's a perfectly timed series because over the last year, let's be honest, at least in this church, we've kind of been wanderers. We've kind of been wandering from place to place. We're still kind of in that season, although we are beginning to see a light at the end of this tunnel, which is exciting. But I'm going to start off with uh, one of the most interesting wanderers I've ever met was a guy named James. In fact, uh, James, uh, I met him in Peru on a mission trip, and this was about 2013, maybe 2014. I think it was 2013, uh, 2014 is when I met him. And James was a single guy. He was on this trip alone, and so I was kind of drawn to just how interesting this was because what James would do in his life is he would work for two years. He, he would rent an apartment. He would work for two years, and he would save. Uh, he would live off of a third of his income or maybe two-thirds of his income, and he would always save at least a third. And then every three years, he took a year off of work, and he called it a sabbatical year. And he would spend that year seeking God's will, and he would usually go on about four or five mission trips. In fact, he was on our mission trip. He was going to go to the next mission trip straight from Peru. He was going to fly to the next place and not even go home. And I had so many questions. What do you do at the end of this year? And he would begin to call his uh, former places of work. He would begin to find new places. He, had, he was a computer programmer, so he had plenty of opportunities. And I was just mesmerized because as I would listen to him talk about how he seeks the Lord for an entire year and he goes and he just serves. He said, I asked him why he was in Peru. He said, I've never led someone to the Lord in Peru. That was his reason for being in Peru. And that was his reason for going to the next place. And, and as he sought the Lord, I just had these wrestling thoughts because I thought it was beautiful. It was fascinating. This guy who was listening to the Lord and when he went back after his year was over, he, he might go back to the same job. He might go to a whole new city. He was so free. But what struck me is in the back of my mind, I was thinking to myself, you can't do this. You can't live this free. You can't seek the, the Lord and, and just move wherever at any moment. There's something about this that was just challenging to me. Uh, uh, sometimes he would just go spend time with family. He would just go spend time with friends. I was, I was just mesmerized by this. He said, I would work in a way into which uh, when the year was over, the people that I had left, I, they would want me to come back because I had worked hard for them. You see, when we think about wanderers, we, we often think that people are not anchored. We think about people who are just kind of tossed here and there. But today I want to give us a vision for what it means to be a godly wanderer. And all of us, I believe, are called to be this type of wanderer. Now, as we've gone through Genesis, I want to be clear. Genesis is an anchor for the entire Bible. That's the reason that we are going through this book. Because, you see, when we think about life right now, so many of us are unanchored. So many people you know at work, at school, wherever you are, you find people that are unanchored. And they may seem like they're headed in the right direction, but you can begin to see cracks. You can begin to see, you know what? They are unanchored. They are wondering. They are concerned about this life. They are being tossed to and fro. One of the things that we've learned uh, is that we have a worldview. That word is important. A worldview is how you anchor yourself in life. And as Christ followers, we have a biblical worldview. We have anchored ourselves on the revelation of God, specifically the way he's revealed himself in several places. The first one is creation. You remember Genesis 1 
If you, if you skipped our Genesis series, if you're new, you need to go back. Genesis 1 through 3, is the, if you don't understand Genesis 1 through 3, you will not understand the rest of the Bible. But Genesis 1, God reveals himself as creator. And then we see in Genesis 2 and 3, God begins to reveal himself in the way he loves. He loves us by covering our sins. He loves us by covering our mistakes and by reconciling. He loves us. He wants us to be with him. That's how we anchor ourselves, this desire of why are we here? That's what a worldview is. Why are we here? What, what, is, what is the point of this world? Where, where ultimately is this going? What's going to happen after we all die? How, how are the problems? What are, what's causing the problems we see in this world? Who's going to fix them? All of these things are what we anchor ourselves to. And as Christ followers, we know God is creator. God has, has created this world so that we can be with him. You have a purpose. You have a value he has put in you. And it's going to last even after this world. We have a hope after this. That is how we anchor ourselves. And what's wrong with this world in Genesis chapter 3? We saw what's wrong with this world. It's that you and I have this, this tree that we eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is that you and I want to tell God, we want to say, this is good. I'm going to do what I want to do. And every time we do that, we decide that we are going to put ourselves in the place of God. And in fact, in Genesis 11, we see the height of this when we say, you know what, we've gotten to a place in civilization, a place in life and technology where we don't even have to, to, to call out to God. We don't even need God anymore. Technology is to a place and the Tower of Babel where God said, this is not good. These people think they can do everything without me and it will destroy them. Their worldview is so, so far off from this godly anchored life. And so as we begin to go through the, the life of Abram today, the wanderer, I want you to understand it's built on this foundation that we have set in Genesis 1 through 11, and that's where we're going to pick up. But I want us to, to really think about this idea of a wanderer. Do you know somebody, maybe in your, your family, you know somebody that's a wanderer. Maybe you've been called a wanderer. Maybe you feel in life, I'm kind of the wanderer. And I want you to think about the stigma sometimes that wandering has. Now, sometimes wandering is not a good thing. The New Testament, Paul warns us several times not to wander from the faith. Don't wander from your anchor. Okay, And this is what he says in 1 Timothy um, 1. He says, The aim of our charge is love that issues a pure heart and good conscience and sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion. You see this all over the place right now. People that have wandered away from, from the biblical anchor of God created this, God's in control of this, God is doing something in this, we need to just turn to God. People that have wandered have entered into all these vain discussions, politics, all these things that are going to save us, turning away. This is what he says in Ephesians. Until we have attained to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, he's speaking to men, the leader, leaders in this church. He says, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful seeing. You know people at work, you know people who are trying to, to manipulate and they think they're in control, they think they, they've got to, to be the smartest person or, 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 or to manipulate everything because they have a worldview that is not anchored to God. But what we want to see today is that there is a way to wander that is beautiful. There is a way you can wander in which you are so anchored to the call and the love of God that you are freer than any person you know. In fact, people will see you like I saw James and say, man, there's something special about being so anchored, so grounded, but so free to follow 
God wherever he leads. Now, when I think about someone who is successful, sometimes I think about people who have attained the pinnacle. You know, many of us, when we think about what, uh, the reason that wandering is bad is because we see people who, who are driven, and we think that's what success really is. That's what you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to wander to and fro. You're supposed to set your course and achieve it. I think of Tiger Woods. Y'all remember that video of Tiger Woods when he's like three years old? You ever seen that? He's on a, on a talk show, and he's smacking the ball further than I can smack it right now. And, and, and you just think, man, his dad set him on a course when he was not even walking, and then he grew up. Up and, he, and he became a great golfer, maybe the greatest golfer. That's what success is. He said it and he never veered from it. And many of us have said, you know, success, that's what success in life, that's the point of, is to figure out where you're going and never stop and never go there. And so where does that lead us? There's some of us in this very room that we feel trapped in a job. Maybe we feel trapped uh, as if we're supposed to be in a family, but we're, we're single. Maybe we feel as if I'm supposed to be over here, but I made decisions that laid me here, and now all of a sudden I'm here. And we feel like we're wandering, and we feel like this is a negative thing because somebody, sometimes it's even the church, came in and said, hey, this is what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be married. You're supposed to have a family. You're supposed to have this job. You're supposed to get to the next, to where you can give a lot. You're supposed to get this. And, and, and we didn't mean to, but for some of us, we, we kind of pushed out this wandering spirit, this spirit that could follow God wherever. And we began to say, this is what success is. And people began to define success for us. What I want you to see in this series is I want you to see the beauty of a wanderer, the beauty of a godly wanderer. You're going to meet a man named Abram. This is Abram, a godly wanderer. And Abram is going to follow God wherever it leads. It's going to follow through famine and through feast. He's going to go sometimes on the mountaintops, and sometimes he's going to, going to be stuck in a mountain that is in his way. Sometimes he's going to be in a valley. Sometimes he's going to be exactly where he doesn't think he needs to be. Sometimes he's going to make mistakes. Sometimes he's going to have some really astounding ways he is going to sin. Some of us are going to see him and say, wow, that's what a godly wanderer can do that. And you're going to see him even in his lowest points. You're going to see him in his doubts and his struggles. You're going to see Abram decide, I am anchored in my faith in the Lord and the call he's put on my life. And wherever I go, I'm going to be defined not by what I achieve in life, not, uh, not did I live up to the expectations of my parents or did I, did I exceed what my brothers and sisters did. I'm not going to live my life being compared to other people. Instead, I'm going to be known as someone who followed God. And, and it's going to be, I think, one of the most free, just amazingly free series we've ever done. Because imagine what it would be not being judged on, am I good enough compared to the person next to me? Is my house what my brothers and sisters have, what my, my, my uh, neighbors have? Do I, do I look good enough? Am I in the, the same? Sh- am I comparing well to the others around me? And instead of taking their measure of success... You had this joy, you had this confidence that even when you weren't making as much money, even when you weren't in the the same neighborhood as someone else, but you knew, you know what, I'm right where God wants me, and when times are hard, I've got a provider, but I am free to follow God. This is Abram. This will be Abraham. Abraham was a man who, who really starts the journey of the nation of Israel. Now, his name here is going to be Abram. Later, it'll be changed to Abraham. I want us to start off in Genesis 11, chapter 27, or verse 27 and 28. I just want to give you a hint of who he is. 
It says, no, that we're following up from the Tower of Babel. God has dispersed everything. He dispersed them from Babylon, where they had built this big temple, this big tower. And it says, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father in Terah, in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Everyone in here say Ur of the Chaldeans. All right, Ur of the Chaldeans is a very interesting place, okay? It is basically Babylon, okay? So everyone has dispersed and gone wandering, and they're all wandering away from God. Most of the people have wandered away from God. In fact, there's no real worship of Yahweh in this time after they have have dispersed. And you've got one guy who didn't wander far. He went just a few miles later, and he is in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, Ur of the Chaldeans is known. It's basically Iraq, now uh, modern-day Iraq. And it is uh, at this time when, when Abram is, is wandering, there is a play, or when Abram is living there in Ur of the Chaldeans, there's a, a ziggurat, the great ziggurat is in there. I'm going to show you a picture of this, and this still exists today, and, and this is what some people say the Tower of Babel was based on. This might have even been a, a, a later version of it, but it is a monumental thing, and this was to the moon god, this ziggurat is uh, basically a tower built to the moon god who was one of the most popular gods in Ur, okay, or in this Babylonian region. Now, the moon god, ironically, his name was Sin, okay? And so the moon god was worshipped by a lot of people. There were a lot of different gods. And so this starts off, this is where Abram is. He is not a Jew. He is not, he's never followed God. He is not following God. He's just a guy, and he is worshiping the moon god when it's convenient. He'll worship other gods when it is not convenient. And, and that's where he is. It's a, a pretty close link to where we left in Genesis 11. But in Genesis 12, verse 1, we have something that's going to change the history of the world. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make you a great, your name great, so that you will be a blessing. It's interesting. He says, I'm going to make you blessed so that you can bless others. Remember that whenever you are praying for blessing. God blesses to make a blessing. He goes on and he says, I will bless those who bless you, and to him who dishonors you I will curse, and in all your families the earth shall be blessed. The rest of the Bible, the rest of history is going to flow from this promise. Abraham's blessing opens up blessings to you and me. Some of the things that we are blessed in life by God were blessed because a man decided, I'm going to trust God and follow him wherever he may lead. And so he takes God, and I want you to think about this. How clear uh, uh, would this call have had to be for you? How clear would the call of God have to be on your life for you to get up and and to leave and go to a different city? Because we hear this word, the Lord said to Abram, and what we think is it was an audible voice. Every one of us reads that as an audible voice. Why do we read it as an audible voice? Because we think to ourselves, that's what it would take for me to go and go. But the truth is, whenever I talk about how this church started, I say, you know what God said to me? God didn't give me an audible voice, but God put in my heart, hey, Joel, you need to start a new church. And I had people that said, you know, you you don't just start new churches. But I said, God is telling me to start a new church. But we like to read the Old Testament especially. We like to say, you know what, God talked different to them. He said it audible. And so we just sit, we, we make this language change different than the way we speak. And the reason is because we think I would never get up and leave unless it was an audible, I knew. But I want you to just think for, for a minute as we think about this call to Abram. 
What would your life have to look like for you to hear the call of God and to actually leave your comfort, leave where you are, and go? What would your life have to look like? What would the pace of your life have to be to where you could hear God and discern it? We don't know how long this takes. It might take quite a while. But Abram had a pace of life, and he had, had this mindset that, hey, God's put something on my heart. I'm going to act on it. And I would tell you, it's probably, no matter what you want to do, it's probably not as far from what God, how God would speak to you and me. There are challenges that Abram's going to face. Okay? The first challenge, I think, is the biggest challenge is this. His wife is barren. Okay, they've been struggling with infertility, but it's, it's, it's very bad because they're now both older. In fact, they're, they're past the time uh, where you can uh, physically birth a child. She, she's in menopause. She is past that. She is old. And so she's to a place where, you know what? How are we going to be the, the, the birth of an entire nation from us and we can't even have a child? And I want you to think about the stigma. In fact, if you've been through infertility, you know this. Every person I've ever met that has gone through a, a season of infertility has always had this, this mindset that, man, God ha- is not going to bless me. That God is actually punishing me. God is harming me. God doesn't want me. God doesn't like me. And, and, and there's this stigma that's put on sometimes. But one of the most interesting things is almost everyone that God works through, there's so many women and, and, and men that, that don't have children that God makes promises to. And God says, I'm going to bless through you, work through you. But there's this stigma on Abraham and his wife that, well, is God really speaking to me? I mean, if God was speaking to me, it seems like I would be blessed already. It seems like I'm not the type of person God blessed because I'm looking around at my neighbors. I'm looking around at my family, and they all seem blessed. They all seem like they're doing, but I don't seem to be praying right. I don't seem to be doing the right thing. There's no way God can use me the way. And this stigma, this would have been a tension that he's going to wrestle with even after he begins to obey. His wife is going to wrestle with it, and we're going to see it. It's going to cause doubts. It's going to cause a lot of doubt. So I want to just speak to you. If you've got this mindset that God doesn't like me, you know, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm, I'm here and, he, and he's, he, he loves me and he blesses me, but he doesn't really like me. He doesn't do these type of things through me. I want to challenge you with Abraham. Abram, he says, you know what? Even though it doesn't make sense, it doesn't feel like God loves me, but yet I believe God's doing great things through me. Here's some of the other challenges, okay? He's old. Okay, his wife uh, is barren. That's, he's called to Canaan. We've already uh, learned in the last series, we learned Canaan is, is cursed. So he's going to a place full of mean people who worship uh, foreign gods. And it's a dangerous place. It's a thousand miles away for an old man. I don't know about you, but if I had to walk to Walmart, I'd be like, are you serious? And now he's got to walk a thousand miles away. There's a, um, the biggest thing I think also is that he's not just following God. you got to get this in your mind. He's changing religions. He's converting to another way of life. In fact, he's converting to a religion of a God that has not been heard of in forever. His father, who probably worships sin, worships the moon God, is saying, you know, hey, this is who our family is. And he's got to tell his father, hey, a new God, the God that created that. In fact, Genesis 1, we went through this. The, the moon is just an afterthought to God. It was just something that my God created. My God created everything we see. There are no other gods except for him. And this is going to cause attention. This is going to cause things that are going to cause doubts in his family. This is going to cause a lot of friction in his life, which we're going to see. Hebrews 11.8 says this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out knowing not where he was going. Now, 
I want you to see this first of all, that a godly wanderer obeys. A godly wanderer is anchored in obedience. When we talk about his faith, his faith was shown by his willingness to follow. We, we, it's, I think the best word is trust, not believe, because we kind of changed that word believe to, I can believe something and not obey. This is trust, okay? When we really believe something, we will change the way we act. And that's what Abram, Abram does, okay? I remember when we started this church that uh, I had, the former church I was in, I remember so many people and the pastor, well, everyone would say, man, we're so proud of what you're doing. We believe in you. And then I would say, hey, do you want to come with me? And everyone, no, we believe in you. <laughs> okay. And, and, and they, they, they sent me off. They blessed us in, in ways. But I remember this, this craziness that they saw in me. When we said, hey, we're going to start a church with no people. Next thing I want you to see is a godly wanderer is anchored in the right community. This is a big part. And this is something you may, if you just read Genesis 12, read through the Bible, you may miss this, okay? It says, Abram went, he obeyed, he went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Now, there should be some, some bells going off. Wait a second, Lot went with him. Because if you remember this call, he said, leave your family, or at least your, your father's household, leave your people and go to a new place. But yet he's bringing Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Wait a second, I thought he was Ur in Ur of the Chaldeans, and Haran is way far away. Abram, and Abram took Sarah, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, all the possessions they had gathered, and the people they had acquired in Haran and set out to the land of Canaan. Here's the interesting thing, and you'll miss this if you just read chapter 12. He was not given this command in Haran. Now, you don't know where Haran is, but it's actually closer to Canaan. It's closer to the Promised Land, the Middle East, than what uh, Ur of the Chaldeans was. In fact, he's already traveled hundreds of miles to get to Haran, okay? And, and this is what happened, okay? This is, by the way, we know this. Nehemiah says that the call was given to him in uh, Ur of the Chaldeans. This is what Stephen says, who he's preaching in the New Testament in Acts chapter 7. This is what he says. He says, brothers and fathers, hear me. The, glory, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. And he said to him, go out from your land, from your kindred, and I will um, go into the land that I show you. And he went out from the land of the Chaldeans, and he lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there, and he went into the land in which you are now living. So this, you may think, why are we bogging down on this? Let me show you this. Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. This is what it says. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, their son, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarah's daughter-in-law, and his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. Now, what we find is before we got this call that they already have heard from God, and God has already told them, you're supposed to go, Abram, to the land of Canaan, to the promised land. You're supposed to go here. Don't take your father. Don't take your family. Go with just in faith. And they set off, but what did he do? He took his father. He took his cousin. He took some of his family members, and they go to Haran. Now, what's significant about Haran? There are two places in Mesopotamia in this area that worships the, um, the moon god um, Sin. The first is Ur of the Chaldeans, the second is Haran. So they set off, and he says, Dad, I think this new God is calling me to, to this, this place called Canaan. That, that, that It seems like he's calling us to this new thing, and it's a new God, and I know it's, it's a challenge, but I think I'm supposed to go. And he convinces his father, and his father's like, all right, we'll go. And they go, and then they get to Haran, and, and they see the, the, another temple where they're worshiping the moon God, and his father's like, let's just stay here for the night. 
And I bet his father's like, okay, let's just stay here for a week. Let's get our bearings. And before you know it, because he had brought somebody he was not supposed to bring, because he had listened and he partially obeyed, he went, that's good. But understand that he stopped. They did not leave Haran until his father had died, until there was no reason to stay. And that is where we pick it up. That is where he actually goes out on this call. And what I want you to see is you need a community. If you're going to wander, if you're going to be a godly wanderer, you need to be anchored in a community that is also listening to God with you. That when you say, hey, I think God is calling me to do something crazy, somebody's going to sit down and say, let me pray and let me listen to God as well. Let me be there with you. Instead of someone who says, okay, God's telling you that. Maybe like, we can do it this way. And they're trying to, to, to somehow convince you to be normal. Convince you to maybe not listen to God that way. Maybe it's not that way. Godly community. If you anchor yourself in a godly community where people are going to listen and pray, and they're going to say, let's go. Let's go to Canaan. The next thing I want you to see is this. Godly wanderers anchor themselves on the mission of God, on the call of God. And this is what's fascinating to me. I think Abram was the first evangelist. Says he, he brought people. He gathered all his stuff and people that he had gathered in Haran. Who do you think the people he had acquired? Now, a lot of times we hear that and we think slaves, right? It's Old Testament. They're all wicked people, slaves. Now, if any group of people had a word for slaves, it was the Hebrew people. They knew a word for slaves, and they did not use it here. They said he had acquired people. This is what this means. He had people who had heard about his call and said, I want to go with you. These were not slaves. These were people who said, I want to go with you. I want to be a part of what God is doing in your life because it seems so radical. So while his father was going to worship at the temple of sin, at the, at the moon god, he was not going, and people were saying, why aren't you going? And he was still living a life that was drawing people, and he was telling them, God put this call in my life. I'm going to wander in the land of Canaan, but God is with me, and God is showing me to go. He's going to bless us if we go. And people were saying, I want to be a part of that. I want to go. I'm telling you right now, more than anything, the world needs us to live a life so anchored to the call and the mission of God in our life that people see it and say, I want to go wherever God is calling you, because that's what a godly wanderer looks like. They're anchored in a community that's, that's, that's sending them, but they're also anchored in this mission of, I know who God is called me to be. It says, when they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So they're, they're finally in this promised land, the Canaan. I'm going to give you a, a, a phrase you're going to need to know. This is called spaced repetition, okay? Spaced repetition is whenever it's a, it's a training in school, you probably went through this. It's whenever you hit something and then you hit it again, and you, instead of just spending you know, four weeks teaching you a lesson and then you never revisit it, hey, we might spend a week on this lesson, and then next year we hit it again, and we always come back to it. And each time you come back to it, you kind of have this foundation. God is going to do this through Genesis. Every place that Abram goes, every place time you see something, in a, a location, a city, or something happening, that's because God is going to use that again. To give you an example, uh, God in, in Genesis 22 is going to take uh, Abram to uh, sacrifice his son, and he's going to provide a goat on a mountain. Everybody know the name of the mountain? Mount Moriah. You know what else happens on that mountain? Years later, a temple will be built on that mountain. It's going to be then called Jerusalem. You know what God's going to do on that mountain then? He's going to provide another lamb. And Jesus, 
And it's going to be this thing where we see this not the first time God's done this. God hits this and hits this. So he comes in this land of Shechem. I've got a, a picture of Shechem that uh, John Williams and I took. We were in Shechem a few. This is in the West Bank. When we went, even then, then we went to the West Bank. We went to see Joshua's altar, which is in this exact same location. I'm standing on Mount Ebal, looking toward Mount Gerizim. And in the city in the valley is Shechem. Now, I want to just take a moment here. By the way, this is in the West Bank. This is in modern-day Palestine. Right now, there's a war about to go on here. I don't know if y'all are aware of this. And uh, before I go on, I, I want to say one thing about Israel and Palestine right now. Is that, uh, and this is kind of a side. I know this is a side, but um, right now, there's a lot of us that are praying, hey, God, protect Israel. There's a lot of us saying, hey, God, free Palestine, whatever you want to say. But I want to make sure that as Christians, we remember we always take the third option. We are praying for redemption. We are praying that God brings them together. We are not praying for victory for one side or the other. And I want to remind us of this. And I've been there, and I know this. There are Christians on both sides. There are Palestinian Christians, and there are Jewish Christians. And I've met them, and I know that the, the, both groups are there. Both groups are, are scared every time they hear a rocket. And what we are praying for is that the entire region turns to Christ, that they all turn to God to reconcile. We are not praying for victory for one. We are praying that God's victory will be reconciling his heart. That is where we pray in this area when we're thinking of this. Now, that's an aside, but I at least wanted to mention. The last thing I want you to, the next thing I want you to see is this. Godly wanderers have a foundation, a bold foundation. One of the things about Abram is he knows, even as he's wandering and he doesn't know the direction, he doesn't, he's in Canaan and now he's got nothing really to do. And all we know is that he has this bold foundation. The Oak of Marah, that's in Hebrew, the Oak of Teaching. So this is probably a place where uh, the Canaanite god Baal, that somebody would get up and, and say a sermon or preach or teach about uh, Baal or, or the other gods. Abram gets there and he builds an altar there. We're going to see in verse 7, it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He built an altar at this place where there were probably a few other altars. There were certainly other believers. And this is one thing I want you to see about a wanderer. If you're going to be a Christian wanderer, you need to make sure that you know, Hey, I am anchored. I am anchored in the foundation of God. That is that I am bold that, listen, this is who God is and this is who he has called me to. And even if people are going to say, yeah, but, you know, at the workplace we're going to set aside. Listen, I'm telling you, if you are a Christ follower, if you're someone who's going to anchor your life in God, you've got to be bold. God has given you a foundation of truth, your worldview, the way you see he is the only one that reconciles. And this idea that sometimes we need to step off our platform, sometimes we need to say, you know what, let's just not rock the boat. Abram could have said, you know what, I'm in a new place. The Canaanites are mean. They've got a bad reputation. I'm not going to tell them too much. I'll tell them, hey, I got a new God. He's cool. He fits in with all these others. No. Instead, he builds an altar. I believe he probably built the biggest altar. And he says, listen, this is the God, that, that the only God that exists. And he actually renews his call. And he says, you know what? This is the truth. And I want to encourage us now more than ever. Don't step off that foundation that God. It is amazing to me when we say, you know what, when I go to work or I go to school or when I think about politics, I, I want us to be secular. I don't want to bring God into everything. And that's, an, that's a crazy thing for somebody who believes you're standing on a foundation of truth that God has revealed himself in Jesus Christ and that he's going to reconcile the world. But every time you talk to someone who doesn't believe like you, you step off and you stand on a different foundation. That is a crazy idea for us. 
We stand on this foundation. We don't have to, to judge and get mad at everybody and say, you got to live my way. But we should at least be saying, hey, the reason I live this way is because I'm on this foundation. I'm proud to be on this foundation. And if you're going to wonder, if you're going to live a life not, not going after success the way people tell you to go, you need to be anchored. This is what God is calling me to do, and I know why I'm here, and I know that this is the right path for me because I am anchored in this foundation. goes on, and he says, From there he moved to the hill country east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent in Bethel, west of Ai on the east. And there he built another altar, and he called upon the name of the Lord. What I want you to see is that Abram's life is anchored in so many ways, but yet if you were to meet Abram, I bet you, you would have had conversations of, you know, Abram, you just, he doesn't know where he's going in life. He's here. I had a conversation with, with a person in our church, and they, and they said this. They were a single person, and they said, I feel as if I'm wondering. I feel as if I'm just wondering. You know, I think one of the things we need to understand is that wandering is a great thing as long as we are anchored in to the purpose of life. So, if, into the Lord. So, if you are, uh, let's say you're a 40-year-old man like me and you've been in a job for a while, you need to be anchored into the Lord in such a way in which you go to work, you have this wandering spirit. Now, you may not be called right now to leave your job and to leave your country and go somewhere else. You may be. Don't let me tell you that. Let God tell you that. But you are called to wander, and that is when you're at work and you get up that day, you've anchored yourself and you say, I am a Christ follower. I am anchored in the call of God on my life, and I know this call. In fact, notice this is the second time we've heard this call. A, a godly wanderer is anchored in this call. He knows who he is and where he's going. And so you get up and you go to work, and you got to know, man, I, I'm at work. It's the same place I've worked for 10 or 20 years. But listen, I'm here because I'm going to wander wherever God tells me. And if, God, if I see a broken heart over here, that's where God's leading me today. And every day you go into work, you go in as a godly wanderer, anchored in the truth. And you may not be trying to get that next level. You may be perfectly fine. Hey, I will wander in this level forever. That's great. You know, wherever you are, wandering with the Lord can be the call of your life. Maybe you're at home with your kids and you think, you know what? I feel stuck here. I feel like if I was really on a fall, God, I should be over there. You know what? You can wander in your, your home. You can say, you know what, I'm going to wake up every day. I'm going to teach these kids the way that, that God leads me today. But if I see a need, I'm going to go meet that need. You know, I think the greatest opportunity to wander, though, is if you're single. And I think this is probably the worst place that, uh, that I have done personally sometimes in encouraging. Because what I've seen in the church is I've seen that we've put marriage as kind of this is the success you're supposed to be. But did you know that Jesus said that is not the, the, the if you can be single, I, I think you should be single. Paul said if you should be single, I think you should be single. Do you know that, that Paul and Jesus had this idea of if you can wander and follow God wherever without having, a cho- without having to consider someone else, hey, being free to follow, that's the, that's the pinnacle of following Jesus. I was once in a conference, and this conference, uh, I will never forget this. A man said, I, I feel called to start a church and, and to go start a church in a different city, but my wife will not go. She wants me to get a job at a, at a big church that can pay a salary, give us benefits, and the, I'll never forget the church speaker, uh, or the, the, the conference speaker, he just looked at me and he said, man, this breaks my heart. breaks my heart to tell you that you're probably never going to achieve what God could have achieved in your life because you married someone who is not listening to God. 
And I just remembered thinking, man, how big of a deal this was that somebody, there were plenty of single people in that conference who were going wherever God had called them, and here was a guy who, because he was anchored. So listen, I think one of the things we need to understand is you are free to wander, and, and just like James, who he would intentionally get an apartment, he never had a house. The reason he didn't have a house is because he knew in a year or two years, I might be called to a different city. And he, he wandered so anchored to God that he is probably the freest Christian I've ever met. It was so challenging. So if you're single, that's one of the things I want you to hear is you've got to untether yourself. And as a church, I've got to do a better job. We've got to do a better job of encouraging you probably, if anyone right now, you realize if the whole church right now was called the Timbuktu, and that is a place, we'd have to figure out where it was, but we, we're all called there. You realize all the single people would be there way before all of us married people trying to figure out how to get our kids out of school and all this. All thing. It's such a beautiful thing to know that if you just will take off this, this and quit letting people tell you what success is and begin to say, you know what, the only thing that God expects of me if I'm anchored in my family, the only thing God expects of me if I'm single is that I listen and anchor myself in him. And if I do that, I am free to wander wherever God leads me. I think this is one of the most beautiful things in our church. Wandering is a beautiful thing when we are anchored in Christ. The best thing about this is when we decide that we're going to trust God, just as our worldview says, we can't fix this. We have to turn and repent and go towards God. When we trust Christ in our life, who does he send us? Jesus says, it's good for, that I, for me to go because if I go, I will send you an advocate. God has put the Holy Spirit in our lives. God has put the Holy Spirit in your life and my life, which says, you know what? Wherever God leaves me, I get to go and I can hear his voice. So here's where I want to end. The last thing you see Abram Abraham does is, is something we need to take note of. A godly wanderer anchors himself in worship. Anytime he experiences, he builds these altars, and he's going to do this a lot. Why? Because he's wandering, and so he doesn't have a temple to go to. He doesn't, have, he doesn't even really know where God personally, God, he just knows wherever I go, God seems to be able to give me a phone call. He be, seems to be able to, to reach me there. So he'll build an altar wherever he is, and that's where he'll go back. He'll listen to this call, and he'll say, hey, this is who I called you to be. Don't listen to them. This is who I'm calling you to be. And he'll worship, and he'll take this time just to worship. doesn't matter if he's at the tree of Marah where there are so many other religions and so many other voices. He'll say, I'm going to listen to God right here. He goes on, and he's wondering what's next. He has these doubts, but he takes time to worship. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to call the band up and are y'all going to play another song? Y'all are, right? Y'all are playing another song, right? Okay, good. I'm going to call them up. And here's what I want us to do. As we start this series, and this series uh, is going to be for the rest of the year, we're going to be hitting Abraham, Abram and being in this and hear this call. But what I want us to do is I want us to start by just taking a moment to think about the space in our life. Are we listening to God with a freedom if you know what, if I'm anchored, I don't have to climb the corporate ladder. I don't have to take what the, the definition of success that my parents or my neighbors or whoever it has given me. I just have to anchor myself in God. And if he calls me to stay where I'm at, I can stay. If he calls me to go where he wants me to go, I can go. But my heart today is that we start this series by just freeing up our time and our space to listen to God and to embrace this spirit of wandering of we have not been predetermined where we're going. 
God has so many great adventures away from us, whether we're here or going somewhere else. All we've got to do is untether ourselves to the expectations and, and, and the definitions that we have put on ourselves or other people have put on us. And all we have to do is figure out what has God called me to do. Spend some time discerning that and begin anchoring ourselves in that call, putting a community around us, building that foundation, and you're going to see that following God is the greatest thing. It is the freest thing you will ever experience, the spirit of a godly wanderer. So let's say, take some time as the band plays, just before y'all get going, maybe just a, a little bit of just thinking about where am I in life? Where am I headed? Am I going where God has called me or am I going where I just set out 20 years ago and I haven't even reevaluated? I think God is calling us to some big things in the next month, in the next year. I think some of us might miss it because we're so busy in the grind. So let's take a moment and just pray and then let's do what Abraham did. Let's worship. Lord, I thank you so much for this picture of what life can be when we are anchored to you. A life free to wonder whether we go a thousand miles away or whether we go across the street. Lord, when we see you calling us to a need or calling us to a person or a place, we can have the faith and the boldness to say, hey, other people might think this is weird, but this is exactly what God has called me to. And it is so freeing to be right where you have called me to be. To know that even if I don't make enough money, you're going to provide for me. Even if I don't know all the right people, you're going to put me in contact with the people I need to be. And you're going to make sure, God, that I can follow you wherever you are. And you're going to bless me, not so I can be blessed, but so that I can bless others. Lord, I pray as we align our will to yours, we are free to follow you wherever you call us. Lord, I pray for every heart here that we'll just begin to take time in our life whether it's every morning before we go to work. We'll just take time to center ourselves on what are we doing? Why are we here? We're here because you love us. You have called us. You have a purpose for us. And we want to just listen and see where you're taking us. Lord, I pray we'll anchor ourselves every day in your call, knowing that you have overcome everything through Jesus on the cross. You've given us your spirit to hear you wherever you call us to go. Lord, I pray you give us the boldness to obey. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.